liberation from suffering, for me, it all comes back to we liberate ourselves. The liberation journey is the journey into the body. It's not out there. We're not liberating ourselves. We think we're exiting something. What we're exiting is our need to exit something. And what we're actually doing is coming home to being right here, right now, in this present moment, simply aware of what we're aware of, the witness to what we're witnessing, and able and have the availability of life force and the capacity in our nervous system to be present to the experience we're in without needing to leave the experience. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Being Inspired Radio Show. My name is Amanda Johnson, your host, and I am so excited to be back. For some of you, it hasn't been that long, but for me, it's been a while since I've actually been in this container having the pleasure of speaking with a guest, um, seeing someone here face-to-face who I'm meeting for the first time in this lifetime, and it is such a gift to have the energy of such incredible people all around me and um, our guest and, and I have been swirling around each other's fields now for many, many months and it's finally the time to sit together and have an incredibly inspiring conversation. So I am not sure where this conversation will go, but what I can guarantee you is it is going to be full of insight, full of wisdom, full of inspiration and full of something that you need to hear today. So on the show with me today, we have Ken Freed. Educated as a mechanical engineer with work experience at NASA, Boeing, and Spirit Aerosystems, Ken's expertise is problem solving. Having left his technical work in the corporate world to focus on his own personal and spiritual development, he now assists individuals from all walks of life to solve the ordinary to extraordinary problems causing strife, struggle, and suffering. With two near-death experiences prior to the age of seven, a rigorous 10-year meditation practice, extensive fasting and cleansing experience, including the completion of a 108-day mono-fruit juice fast, substantial lineage repair and trauma work, and countless hours in ceremonial space, he is anchored by an unshakable commitment to personal metamorphosis. As a beacon for those on the path of personal liberation, Ken works with somatic coaching, family constellations, and earth-based ceremony to assist men and women to navigate through the stormy seas of crisis, crossroads, and change to the shores of ease, peace, and joy. And not only is that a beautifully written bio, I wish I could claim it uh, as my own, I cannot imagine how beautiful this man is. You can't see him, I can, Um, but I am so excited to introduce all of you to Ken and his uh, incredible experience. Ken, welcome to the show. Thanks, Amanda, for having me. Super excited. It's going to be great. Um, I know these conversations always go in the direction they need to go, and we don't get to know where that is. Just like life, we don't get to know where we're going, but we can trust that we are being guided and we are being led, and we are, um, if we are open and willing to uh, to be led, then we are we are taken exactly where we need to go. And of course, your bio really to me feels so comprehensive and so exciting when I read it now but when I read it even in preparation for the show I thought my gosh this man like he has such a world (laughs) of experience and I love it yes how can we um I mean yes your whole journey we're gonna get into that like here's my first question we're just gonna dive right in so I could go on sure let's do it (laughs) okay and I'm loving every moment of it (laughs) (laughs) well there are many more moments to come here we go 
my first question, and I ask this of my guests because I really, I think it's an important question to ask and it's a simple question, but not necessarily easy. The question is, why do you do what you do? Mm. The answer that's coming to me in this moment is because there's nothing else for me to do. I'm, I'm doing what is like a bubble emerging from deep within the earth, rising to the surface. Everything that I do is just deeply inspired and comes from my core. So I'm doing what I feel called to do. And, and it really is that simple, a simple question with a simple answer. I can't do anything else. I've tried and it doesn't work. <laughs> And that maybe is the one of the truest statements I've heard a few times now on this show. You know, we do what we do because we can't do anything else. Now, not everyone listening can necessarily understand that on the experiential level yet, right? Because I think a lot of us go around doing things that we think we have to do, that we should do, that we're supposed to do. Uh, and um, so tell me about how you came to this point of this is the only thing I can do, right? Like, how, how did you get to that? Because it took some time, I imagine. Yeah, it took a lot of time. And I think it's trial and error and a lot of failures and a lot of experiments. There's been countless experiments and countless failures, we could call them but just realizations that whatever I'm doing isn't working or it's run its course or this is complete or I've worked at this job and it's not aligned anymore. And so it's kind of like the way I would describe it, the vision that's coming to me in this moment is like a maze, like the kind of maze that we play with when we're kids. It's like we start going down this passage and get to the end and realize, nope, it's not here and we turn back around or we just take a different route. And so for me, life has been very much a maze is a very fitting analogy. Uh, since I was a child, like trying to figure out my way forward through life and like, what do I want to do? Who am I? How do I want to be in the world? And so with each passing day, and I feel super grateful for where I'm at, and the journey is still very challenging for me. It's not like I've figured it all out and like solved the, the completion of my life. There's still a lot of questions and unanswered questions, but what I find is that with each passing day and each passing year is I'm getting closer and closer and closer to some sort, it's a spiral. And the spiral is definitely bringing me towards some center point. So what I used to do or things that I would have considered in the past and they would have felt like appropriate, I don't even consider them anymore. I could just think for a second, nope, that's not even a possibility. It's, it's not resonant at all with where I'm at. So beautiful, beautiful. And I want to keep peeling back the layers. Um, you're speaking a language that, Ken, I am so familiar with, uh, so, so familiar with. And, and maybe many of the listeners are going, yeah, I totally get it. And then there are those who are saying, it's not resonant. What do you mean? Or, um, you know, so I, a couple questions, and I usually bundle questions because they come at me so quickly. Sure. And, um, so I'll just throw them at you and you answer what you feel inspired to answer. So there's something here, first of all, about that, like, you know, your own journey of 
I mean, again, you've done so much in terms of your the, your fasting and your ceremonies and the your own just studies, right? Um, so if you want to give us a little bit of a bird's eye view or even just a deep dive into some of those components along the journey that really got you to this place of, wow, yeah, I can be in resonance with my life and I can make decisions based on that. And the other question that maybe you answer as well, because you talk about this going back to childhood and you've been in this maze, right? And I love that analogy and that image of this, like, yeah, we're in this maze and we just kind of keep walking into things. Nope, not this way, go this way. Uh, and of course you also shared that you had two near death experiences, right? From a very young age. So I'm also my, of course, my curiosity is piqued as to how that also played a role in your journey to this point. Mm, so many good questions. <laughs> I'll start with the two um, near death experiences because that kind of sets context to answer the other questions. You know, what I found on my journey. So when I was a baby, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. And then when I was six years old, I was hit by a drunk driver and had a double skull fracture and uh, a critical situation where I was airlifted to a hospital helicopter and many hours of surgery and uh, very close to death in, in both. And I could go deep into each of those, but just to, we'll just leave it there for this moment. And the following 30 years or so, it's been coming into relationship with what is this maze exactly? What is this thing that I'm trying to navigate? What is life exactly? Like, where am I? Yes, I'm sitting in this room, but like, where am I? <laughs> and what I've come to understand through like deep, deep is that when it's, it's a big hot word, I'm going to drop it into the conversation and I, we can unpack it a bit, but the word is trauma. And the effect or the impact of trauma is so significant. And the last two or three years for me have been completely devoted to trauma studies, both on myself, professional studies, working with clients, like it's, it's trauma. That's the focus. And the journey for me has been realizing that the, the maze that I am in is a result of these traumatizing events that occurred, not just when, not just because they were life or death situations, but because they happened while my nervous system was still developing as a little baby and as a six-year-old. And so coming to awaken from my own dream and have context and a deeper visceral understanding of the impact of almost dying and like waking up to that and realizing, wow, there's these parts of myself that have been fundamentally separated or fragmented out of my awareness. And I am in a maze because I am attempting without even knowing it to reintegrate these fragmented aspects of self that I'm not even aware fragmented. And so the journey for me, a lot of, you know, I'm always changing how I describe what I do with people. The words I'm using right now is like soul reintegration reintegrating the soul so that we can arrive at a place of wholeness. And when we're in our wholeness, then there's less questions. Then there's less like confusion because suddenly we're operating with say like 28 bits of information instead of like four bits of information. Okay, good, 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 good. Uh, soul integration, reintegration. Amazing. Wow. Bringing ourselves back to wholeness. Yes. We're the, and all of us, 
I believe can understand trauma on some at some level, right? Now, I certainly would not say that I experienced trauma like you did or like someone else, and yet trauma is trauma to the system, right? So so my nervous system is going to still experience trauma in its way. And I love that you're drawing that to uh, our attention to say, yeah, there was this point where for each of us, there's a point where there are fragmented parts of ourselves that we need to bring back together to reintegrate into wholeness. I love that. Okay, there's also this idea, and I know there's still a second question that you might want to weave in just in terms of continuing on your journey. I think that's going to come to us as you continue to answer these questions. Um, Because I'm really curious now too about, you also talk about liberation, right? This idea, so there's this idea of, yes, let's, let's reintegrate, let's become whole. From that place, there are fewer questions or greater clarity rather. I don't know if, yeah, I think there's still a lot of questions, but somehow we do gain that clarity, that knowing. Um, and then where is this like this passion for the liberation coming from, right? This, this suffering. Can you speak more to that and that mission that you're on? Yeah, I love your question. You know, one thing I want to say from my own experience that the integration work, or let me go back even a step further. Nobody likes to be told that they're traumatized. So I won't, I won't tell anyone that they're traumatized. But what I will say is that to be human on planet Earth is a traumatizing experience by its very nature. That could be as simple, that could be as gross as getting hit by a drunk driver, or it could be falling off your bike, or it could be a car bumping into you at a red light, and your neck whiplashes. So, and, and millions of other examples. But the fact that we're in bodies living on earth by its very nature is a traumatizing experience. The degree to the impact of these experiences in life that they're having on a person's life and their own soul calling to be curious and maybe heal or integrate or even work with those events. That's to me, karma. And that's more at a soul contract level. So for me, as I've been on my journey, traveling this maze, getting closer and closer to something, there's actually, it's interesting because there's the paradox of less questions, more clarity. And simultaneously, I have no idea. There's a greater capacity to be with not knowing, surrender. I have no idea what's going on anymore. I don't know uh, what the future holds. And I don't have questions that I'm incessantly trying to answer about the unknown. Instead, I'm able to feel the magnitude of the mystery and be in relationship to that in my body, in my like somatic experience of life. So that kind of give context. Now in terms of like soul liberation, um, the only, the highest level answer I could give for that is um, as I'm learning from some of my teachers in Colombia, um, the Kogi in particular, this particular tribe in the Andes, everyone has a soul contract. And my soul contract in this life is specific to healing. And so it's like a yearning, an impulse, a need, a calling, all of these words, words uh, like the Japanese word ikigai, where all these different sectors cross. It's that for me. So I'm, I'm doing 
deeply what is, I believe, my soul contract in this life, which isn't everyone's soul contract. It's not everyone's soul contract to be a healer or to reintegrate as many aspects, if not all aspects of their fragmented self. You know, that's not everyone's journey, but that is my journey. And it just continues to clarify the deeper I go and the more integrated I personally become. Uh, thank you for all of that and the clarification of the traumatization simply by being human and it's a human experience. I think there's a, anyway, that's beautiful. That reminds me of our initial separation at birth, like that being our initial separation from the divine, our initial, right? That to me could be the very first trauma any of us undergo. Um, I digress because that's a whole nother uh, podcast conversation, <laughs> but let's come back to this. I, there were so many things you said that uh, the, first of all, like holding the mag, like the mystery and being in a space of being able to do that. And I also love that you're pointing out to us that we are each here for our own contract, our own Dharma, our own karma, our own mission. And so for yours, it is to liberate the soul and to heal be the healer for others to do that. My question though is, do you believe in some way, shape or form? Because again, some of what you stand for is this, the liberation, the, and not by, not by bypassing this suffering. I'd love to talk a little bit about that because I'm always fascinated about when we, even in my own life, it's like, how much am I in the suffering and how much do I try to bypass it? Or I, I'm aware of, uh, on all levels of life, whether or not you are, um, you know, a teacher and a, a husband and a whatever, going about a quote unquote, like typical life uh, that to me is even hard to define because there's no typical, um, or you're meditating for 20 hours a day, there could be bypassing happening in both. <laughs> um, and so my, my question around this would be, I would love to hear more on your take of let's go there. Cause I, I think this is the one that's coming up more strongly. How, what is your take on the liberation from suffering specifically by going deeper into the experience of what it means to be human as opposed to trying to bypass it? So what have you learned and now what do you want to share with others around this? I love that question. That's like a million dollar question right there. Oh, there's so many things I could say. I'll start with this. I know people who have very intensive yoga practices who are addicted to their practice because it's a way for them to avoid doing the deep inner work that they don't want to make contact with. And the same, like, like pick and choose whatever it is, like running, exercise, yeah, meditation, everything. It's not just alcohol, drugs, sex, and gambling. It's, I could look out and, and, I look out from my vantage point and see a wellness industry that is a lot of it um, playing on people's need and addiction to avoid their own suffering and trauma ultimately. So with that being said, the way through suffering, in my opinion, is through suffering. The way to liberate ourselves from suffering is by facing the immensity of what it means to actually be human and to have a body. And, you know, I have people floating around my sphere that are contemplating suicide, that are addicted to drugs, that have all sorts of issues. And 
issues in quotation marks. They're, they're traversing their form and flavor of the human experience and doing the best they can to get through a day. With all that being said, what, what I hold in my heart is that every single person is doing the best they can with the availability of life force and capacity to simply engage with what can be an overwhelming experience. Life by its very nature can be very overwhelming. And if we're working with unintegrated, unresolved trauma, fragmented parts of self, then only a fraction of our life force is available to us. So if I only have like 5% of my available life force available, um, then how much I can engage with life is going to be limited. And I'm going to have to do things to assist me to get through life, like have these aids and crutches and tools because otherwise life is too much, too much to be in relationship with. So the work for me, I go into suffering. That has been my journey, like near, you know, being living my whole life with a chronic illness and almost dying twice, like I shared, the developmental trauma the trauma, it's not just being birthed, which you're right, but what was, the, what was going on when we were in the womb of our mother? How are we conceived? What was running through the minds of our parents prior to the conception? You know, what baggage were they carrying about having children and what did life look like from their vantage point? So that's a lot of the ancestral clearing work that I do. But to bring this kind of full circle, um, wow, there's... Whew, there's a lot there. <laughs> hmm. If I, I may, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, please. please. Because, yeah, no, I, I actually, I'm feeling the next question is the bringing it back into, as you were speaking, I go, oh, so the question that maybe those listening are also saying, they're going, yeah, but how, right? We always want to know how, uh, and not that you know how specifically, though I think you are well-trained and you have done enough of your own experimentation to have some sense of it, at least for yourself, that may also help others. How do we integrate these parts? How do we bring these pieces back into wholeness so that we are operating from not just 5% of our ability or availability so we can face the suffering? Because you're right, if we're at 5%, and we have a huge, I mean, I've, I've been with an addict. I know what suffering looks like and I know how just deeply, uh, it is right. Uh, a difficult, challenging um, for all of us. Not, and I'm not. You know, I'm a part of it just as much as as everyone else. So when we aren't operating at our fullest or even a fuller capacity, life can feel really, really daunting. Um, so yeah, how do we integrate these pieces or reintegrate these pieces back into our lives? Yeah, it's. Again, a great question. <laughs> you know, the thing that's coming to me in this moment is the first thing that feels important that is wanting to come through in this moment is to let go of the suffering of the world. It's not our responsibility to save the world. It's our responsibility, if we choose to engage with it, to save ourselves, to heal ourselves. And that's been a driving factor for me. I look out and I see the suffering of the world very clearly. I see it fully. And I know that I'm only available to engage with that to the degree that I'm available to be in like with myself. So I think 
that's been helpful for me and it's helpful for others when like you have permission to focus on yourself. You don't have to focus on healing the world. The world, there is way more going on than we can ever comprehend with our small minds. Forces, timelines, dimensions, like all sorts of things happening on earth. And a point of reference or orientation is always self. What do I need to do in this moment to feel lighter, more joy, more ease, more peace, like to be able to laugh, you know, to make it simple. The how is an interesting question. There's, there's a few ways I could answer this. Uh, I'll start at the highest level. I would say get support. You don't have to do it on your own. I, see, the thing about me is I'm in an interesting position. I have an engineering degree, like you read in my bio. I worked as an engineer. I have a really technical mindset. So for me, I've both been on a journey where I've been curious and want to learn and study and understand like the mechanics of how this all works and be able to do it and then do it. That has both been a blessing and a curse because I have put so much pressure and weight on my own shoulders over the years to do it all, to learn it all, and to get through it on my own like a hermit yogi in a cave who doesn't need anyone. And that definitely has served me at points. And the point I'm at now is the point of like, wow, how easy can it actually be if I let myself have support? So, so if someone feels called or inspired to both say study trauma and simultaneously heal trauma, that's great. And I encourage that. And that, that, that lengthens the process because you're learning, you know, it's like learning to swim while you swim. You can also just go with a swim instructor and just, they'll show you exactly what to do and cut the learning curve. So I'm really an advocate for people reaching out for support with those they feel who can support them. And this gets tricky, the reaching out for support thing, because many people have, it's not as simple as just send an email or ask a question or write a Facebook message and ask for help or enroll in a program or whatever it is. Sometimes getting oneself through the maze of what is arising, sensations, imagery, uh, all sorts of meaning making, you know, emotions, like the maze of, of part of my French, but shit that's going on to actually get down and sit and be like, I need support or I want your support. That is a journey of its own that, that can take sometimes years. So there's a million hows to talk about, but it's all about returning to the body. And that, like, there's so many different conversations we can have. Getting into the body is what it's about. How to do that, that's very nuanced. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And, and the, the beautiful recognition of it, that in and of itself is a journey to get to that point. I think for all of us, you know, it's, the timelines are different. The catalysts are different. The rock bottoms are different. I mean, for each and every one of us, it will be different. Uh, and something was coming up as you were speaking, which is when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. That's what it is. I mean, so for any one of you, and if you're listening, and for me, I paid attention to synchronicity. I paid attention to, um, you know, the same book being suggested, the same, mm, you know, uh, modality being talked about in my, in my whatever. I mean, the reason I did ayahuasca was because I heard about it in three, like three different times within like a three month window. I'd never heard of it, about it before. Right. So I was like, Oh, spirit universe. I don't even know what I called it at that time. Actually, I was like, something's trying to get my attention right now. Right. So my, my invitation to anyone listening is 
um, pay attention to what is getting your attention, right? So if it's a book, an author, a podcast, a person you listen to, someone who's offering a service, someone who's you know, doing a ceremony, but maybe you hear about it multiple times, or maybe you, you get this pay attention because more than likely that's because you're being guided on that path. And yes, it won't appear until you are ready. And so of course it's being ready first and that will look different for all of us. And I want to go back to something you said earlier about it's the permission to focus on ourselves. There is a lot of suffering in this world. And I think that was one of my first realizations as well is it was too overwhelming I had to tune it out. Maybe at times people would say to a death and maybe to a point of like complete naivete. I don't think I'm completely naive to what's going on. I, at this point, choose to regulate how much of that I take in because I've got a lot of my, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for now. And once this is solid, then I can go out potentially a little bit more. But I noticed um, a couple things. One is my mother's voice. I love my mother dearly, but she was raised in a time and in an era that that would have been completely selfish to focus on ourselves. And she has admitted a few times to me since I've written a book about myself and all these things. She's like, boy, like, I don't know if I'd ever spend that much time thinking about myself or talking about myself. And then it's also funny because just today I was on a call with a very, very dear friend of mine. And it was probably a two hour conversation, mostly about me. (laughs) But when I realized it was really about me and my, my growth and my experience and what am I, and I got off the call and I had a moment of, and I'm getting to my point here, I promise, is that I, I thought, gosh, I just spent two hours on a phone call talking about me and life and stuff coming up. What a waste of time. And I actually heard that. I heard that judgment. I heard that critique. And then I, I paused and I saw it for what it was. And I heard the other voice that said, well, actually, that could be the greatest use of time. Because if I took those two hours to reflect more deeply on myself, and how I show up in the world, and how I want to show up in the world, then everything will be, my work will be improved, my friendships will be improved, my relationships will be improved, my, you know, everything will be impacted for the better. So I really want to speak to that, and then ask you if you have anything more to say about that, because I think that's so important. I love what you're speaking to, and I know that well too, because I can get on the phone and talk about myself for hours. And I've really looked at that deeply over the years. And there is something, you know, keep it simple, but the idea of, you know, shadow integration, these fragmented aspects of self, oh, I'm selfless, but I'm not selfish. I am extremely selfish. I have integrated the shadow of selfishness. I am selfless when that is what the situation is requiring of me. And I am selfish. And being selfish has both saved my life and served me and served others. And, and we can do a thought experiment and I would invite anyone to like take a moment and imagine when being selfish has actually served the people you love. And this could go into like boundaries and drawing line in the sand and like knowing what our limits are. And I love what you spoke to about um, the way that like you can look out to the world, Amanda, and be like, wow, it's so overwhelming. There's so much there. And part of the work is in knowing that we have limits, that there's actually a limit to what we have the capacity to engage with. And now the thing about this, like what's coming through is that it's not mental. You know, it's easy. Um, 
it's easy to want to engage with the work and engage with life from a very mental space, but the journey of coming home to the body and reintegrating these fragmented aspects of self is so that we can simply be in the body. Being in the body means we don't need to think, do I have, like, we don't need to think of reasons why we need to take a day off from work. Our body is telling us we need to take a day off from work and we know what the cues and signals are and we respond. And so this is like more and more how I personally live my life where my body is the instrument that's guiding me through the mystery that I'm able to be in relationship with. The body is the vehicle. And that could be as simple as like, I get, you know, I'll use an extreme example. I might get an email from someone that they're interested in working with me or having a conversation. I won't respond to that email. I won't even respond to the email till I get a yes inside of my body. That could be a month. And then what happens when I respond? That they're like, oh my God, the timing is like so perfect that you're responding right now. I could have got lost in a story that I waited a month to respond, you know? But there's so many, so many things here, but moving out of the mind, moving into the body, and when we're in the body, and we're learning to trust our body, then we don't need to ask these questions that take us on frivolous mazes, into frivolous mazes, because we have a visceral knowing that's being communicated to us through our somatic experience. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> I, as a, I have a lot of air, a lot of air in my chart and water. I have zero earth. So for me to come back into my body has been a journey is it has been and is a journey. And what I love is that I'm actually in this moment talking to you. I can tell last year, I spent a lot of time doing breath work, Kundalini and um, a lot of shamanic breath work. And that was I mean, I felt the difference immediately. It was like, everything. And I it's probably been nine months more since I've done that. Uh, And I can tell I've like, slowly but surely come right back up into my head and I can tell the mental energy that I've been um, exhibiting lately. So yeah, anyone listening, it's like there are so many ways to get into the body. Um, I mean, obviously there's like the somatic breath work, there's all of these tools and techniques, but there is something so profound, so profound about it. And you've talked about this, you've used the word mystery twice now. And every time you say it, my body goes zing, because I actually, I am very, um, for how much air and whatever I have, like I'm very much in my head. I, I am in tune with my body. My body speaks to me. I get chills when thinking, you know, I just, I know things. Whether or not I trust it is a whole nother question, but I know I feel it and that's the first step. Um, and so I think navigating the mystery, and I can't remember the way you said it earlier, but it was kind of like, can you speak to that for a few minutes? Because I want to understand how you go through the world. Um, yeah, with this, the fact that, yeah, we don't know. It is a mystery, and I want to know how you navigate it. Yeah, thank you for asking that. I love the questions you're asking. They're questions that I don't get asked frequently, so it's like exciting to me to be able to talk about these deeper aspects of the human experience. The, the navigation piece for me is very significant, and that's kind of at the heart of like my personal quote-unquote software. Like my personal software is always upgrading for how I navigate. So there was a time where my navigation software was very primitive 
and maybe it was not to say there's anything wrong with primitive, but maybe it was just looking up at the stars and first figuring out like, you know, having a map and being like, wait, which star am I looking at? You know, needing to figure that out. And over the years, the navigation software continues to upgrade to now where we're using this like very advanced, like technical computing system known as the body. And the body is the instrument of navigation. And so I used to navigate life or attempt to navigate life with my mind. So very rational, logical, like left-brained approach. Like, okay, there's three options in front of me. I'm going to think every possible scenario and pros and cons and like what happens if I do this? It's like a chess game. I was essentially playing a chess game with the mind. And I'm super blessed that that has like diminished significantly over the years because that way of living takes a lot of bandwidth and it requires a lot of energy and a lot of input. And it's ultimately based in very little other than the rational mind. And the rational mind is limited in what it's in touch with because there's way more happening and going on than we can see or perceive with our five senses. Like if we just, if we just lived our life based on what we were perceiving or what, or our thoughts alone, that's dangerous space because we're only, our thoughts are only in relationship to maybe 5% of quote unquote reality. And so part of my journey has been really going into the unseen realms and navigating both the seen and the unseen. And so it's interesting. This is the first time I'm saying it this way, but when I have to navigate in like the 3D life, I'm more interested in the unseen aspects now. Like if I need to know, do I do this or do I sign up for this? Or do I go here or I do this travel or training or whatever? I will go into the unseen realms and, and try to push the limits of my own thinking, not trust my thoughts. That's a big one. Not trust my thoughts and really go into what's happening in my body. And so as I'm talking right now, I'm realizing that this probably sounds super vague and mysterious. And to a degree it is. It's like, how do you talk about things that are outside the confines of language and instead just direct experience? And so the thing I will say is that if you know what I'm talking about, like if any of the listeners know what I'm talking about, then you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, you can know too. There's a journey to arriving to this place that you can actually understand through direct experience, not through me just talking about it and you trying to understand it with your mind or with your thinking. Like if your thinking right now is kind of getting blown out and you're confused and not understanding, then that's a sign that there is an opportunity available to come into deeper relationship with an internal source of wisdom and guidance that you may not be in contact with now. Loving it, loving it. All right, and we're going to um, we're going to close the circle. I, I I trust because I love circles being closed. Um, and then we're going to pivot. I'm going to ask you a few questions to to just end us and close us out and make sure people know how to find you and all of that good stuff. But before we do that, how does this all link back to the liberation from suffering? Everything we've talked about. Go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So I want to give context. I know suffering very well. I spent most of my life living in inner turmoil, existential turmoil, 
where from the moment my eyes opened to the moments they closed, there was little, if anything, that was pleasant about my experience. I've had, I've worked through my layers of addiction and the ways that I had to escape being in contact or engaging with life to simply get through the day. I've lived, I had lived most of my life in a sympathetic activated state of, you know, fight or flight survival physiology. And it's only in the last couple of years that that has actually changed. So just to give context, I understand that suffering, there's many layers to suffering, but one of the greatest forms of suffering is the suffering that's created by the mind. And when, when we're living outside of the body and instead in the mind, you're disconnected from the body and mostly in the mental space, the idea of like driving ourselves nuts is nuts is a very real thing. Like I have driven myself nuts at points and that thinking has led to very intense emotions. So there's many layers to it, but what I will say is the, the liberation from suffering is that we don't liberate ourselves by leaving the experience, by exiting from this plane of reality. Like when I meditate, I don't, I'm not meditating to go talk to star beings or to like go to other realms. And I, I have a lot of opinions about sort of um, spiritual work that's oriented towards out there. My entire spiritual sort of basis is about coming home, landing in the body and being right here, right now in this moment, in this body, with the sensation, with the awareness that I'm holding. Like, what am I aware of in this moment? So. <laughs> big question liberation from suffering for me it all comes back to we liberate ourselves. the liberation journey is the journey into the body it's not out there we're not liberating ourselves. we think we're exiting something what we're exiting is our need to exit something and what we're actually doing is coming home to being right here right now in this present moment simply aware of what we're aware of the witness to what we're witnessing and able and have the availability of life force and the capacity in our nervous system to be present to the experience we're in without needing to leave the experience. That is liberation. And there we have it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. But we're not completely done yet, though. I will invite any of the listeners to rewind those 15 seconds to go back a few times and listen to that again, because that was really, really profound. Well done. Um, three questions I ask every guest before I let you go, just to get to know you a little bit deeper in terms of what inspires you. This is the Being Inspired radio show after all. So my first question, who is a source of inspiration for you and why? It's a great question. I ask myself that often. Uh, the answer that's coming to me in this moment, there, there's two people. The first is um, Peter Levine, who is the founder of Somatic Experiencing, because Somatic Experiencing changed my life in a very palpable way, where other, in a way that I hadn't experienced until I experienced that modality. And then uh, my coach, who I've been working with for two years uh, is deeply inspiring because he's pushing the limits of um, 
what it means to be a coach and how the coaching relationship can look and be. He's helping to model and demonstrate to me a possibility that I didn't even know was available. And that's upgraded my software in terms of how I engage and work with people and connect with people. And so, yeah, yeah, those two. That's beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Second question is what place or activity most inspires you right now? I'm finding myself inspired at the moment. I live in uh, Southern California, an hour north of San Diego. And it's been really cold lately. And all of the mountains in the area have snow on them, which is kind of new. There hasn't been snow in a lot of these mountains in a while. And I'm finding myself feeling like deeply inspired by the snow covered mountains. And it might be because I'm a Capricorn. And so I really just, I look out and I'm like, oh yeah, there's home. Like I want to go climb those mountains. And in terms of uh, like thing that inspires me. At the moment, I'm feeling inspired uh, with my Native American flute. I play Native American flute and I'm, I'm listening to some experimental Native American flute music that's inspiring me. And I've been creating some music like on my computer using all my, I have all different kinds of shamanic instruments and I've been actually making some songs, which has been really nice. That's amazing. Oh, I, yeah. this is why I miss these, I, I have these conversations because every time I talk to someone who shares what they were inspired by, I'm, I feel inspired. I don't play a native American flute. Nor. <laughs> well, I do see snow covered mountains almost every day on my walk. By the way, I am, I never said it at the beginning of the episode, but I'm coming at everyone from Italy right now. So it's just so beautiful here. And yes, we have snow covered mountains all around us right now. Okay. Last question. What is one book that has inspired you on your journey? Wow. I have boxes and boxes of books. <laughs> There's been many. The book that I will recommend now is Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine. You know? Um, there's so many books I could suggest on so many different topics, but given the kind of trauma orientation and discussion today, I think Waking the Tiger was a pretty eye-opening book for me. That's great. And I haven't heard that one before. So that's, that's beautiful. Okay. And we'll make sure that everyone can find that um, as well in the show notes. Most importantly though, we want to make sure that everyone listening has an, an opportunity to find you connect with you. I know you're saying you're kind of off the grid right now. You're kind of, what do you call it? You're in, um, what kind of mode are you in? Like, I, I'm still not sure exactly what mode, mode I'm in. <laughs> mode, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it stealth mode. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be over here. Um, yep. For the time being, right now, the best way for anyone listening who feels a connection, a call, um, a, just some something your body's telling you, hey, I want to, follow this guy. I want to talk to this guy. I want to hear what he's up to because trust me, he is up to a lot of incredible things um, and more to come, I am sure. So as at this point in time, he likes the good old fashioned email. If you can imagine, I think that's fantastic. I, to be fair, I'd like to get emails from more people. So email <laughs> him. If he, I don't actually know if that's true. I'm going to take that back. Universe, I like that I do not have a lot of emails to go through. But um, if you want to connect with this person, find him at Ken email him. 
ken at kenfried.me. And of course, his last name is spelled F-R-I-E-D dot me. Ken Freed me. You can think of it that way because I think after you have connected with him, worked with him, sat with him, you will feel freed more than you did before. <laughs> and of course, that really just means you come back home to yourself, which is so beautiful. Ken, I have thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, thank you so much for bringing yourself and mm -hmm. all of your experience and insight and wisdom to the table. Thank you, Amanda. And thank you for your epic questions. <laughs> I, I tend to ask big ones. So thank you for going there with me. Not everyone's willing, but um, anyway, I so appreciate it. That's what we're here for, in my opinion, is to go deep and to ask the big questions and to also reflect on the big questions. Any of you listening, I trust you received exactly what you were meant to receive from our conversation today. We'll make sure there are links in the show notes if you want to reach out to Ken or look up the book or follow, subscribe to the radio show, because of course I will only have more of these sorts of conversations in the future. And I'd love to have you all listening and following along. And until then, I send you all many, many blessings.